Hey everyone, if you know me, you know that I've been investing in precious metals for many, many years. Once I realized that private banking cartels could drastically manipulate currencies, putting my family savings in jeopardy, I decided to take matters into my own hand and diversify our savings strategy. This is why I buy physical silver and gold and invest in metals through our Roth and 401k. And I only invest with Colonial Metals Group. CMG is the exclusive sponsor of The Shannon Joy Show, and they're helping me set up a safe and secure self-directed IRA where I have access to my assets no matter what the stock market or, for that matter, the government is doing. Let the team of experts at Colonial help you protect your family's future with an extra special offer just for the SJ audience. Click on the link in the description below or call 888-705-0950. That's 888-705-0950 and you'll be eligible to receive a free safe and up to $10,000 in free silver just for the SJ audience. Join me today and take back your power. Secure your wealth with Colonial Metals Group. Hello, world, and welcome to the Shannon Joy Show. We're broadcasting from the Joy Virtual Studio right here in the beautiful Finger Lakes region of New York State. Happy Monday. So good to be with all of you this week. So glad to welcome again in the Joy Virtual Studio, good friend, Dr. Robert Malone, to talk about the whirlwind of news that has come out last week. We had the seven-hour testimony with Anthony Fauci. We had a blockbuster uh, hearing presented by Senator Ron Johnson on Capitol Hill, which Dr. Malone was a, a very important part of. We now have Twitter 2.0 files coming down and the continued suppression of Dr. Malone and other characters on Twitter, despite what Elon Musk has been saying. There is just so much to get to. And over the weekend, Dr. Malone, a Rasmussen poll that we have to get into that has, frankly, in, in many aspects uh, is a stunner. How are you doing? It's Monday and here we are ready to barrel forward in this week. It's fast and furious, isn't it? It is. And and for both of us, but me also, for sure, it's not going to let up. I, uh, um, uh, We get the chance to talk here and then I speak to Lou Dobbs and then I go jump on a plane to go to Dallas uh, to record a session for a uh, major Christian broadcaster. Um, that will go live, will go uh, video. And then um, I come back and the next day leave for uh, Austria, <laughs> where there's a three-city three tour that's part of the European resistance. Wow. Um, and then come back in time for Christmas, <laughs> where I have some visitors here. Uh, it's And last week, of course, was crazy with Ron Johnson. And last week also, we had the wake for my nephew who uh, died in the motorcycle accident when he got hit by a drunk driver. I'm so sorry. I saw the news of that and uh, so sorry for your loss and really thankful for everything that you and your beautiful wife, Jill, have done. Uh, you really have taken up the mantle of freedom from the context of, uh, you know, medical freedom, bodily autonomy, and this coming after, you know, two and a half years of hell, COVID tyranny. Uh, the resistance is worldwide. And we're really thankful for your efforts. Uh, recent book, Lies My Government Told Me, that uh, people can get. Also, they can find you on Getter 
at RWMaloneMD, not on Twitter, which we'll talk about because the suppression continues, but a must read. I subscribe to your Substack, rwmalone.substack.com. That is where some of uh, the best writing comes out. And I highly recommend it to everyone. Before we get into the the meat of our discussion tonight, I do want to talk about something very interesting that happened over the weekend, Dr. Malone. And this is a debate, an actual debate between someone who is very knowledgeable about the COVID-19 vaccines, COVID-19 policies and vaccine injured. That is our friend, Steve Kirsch, who is a regular guest on this program and a fellow named Sean Plunkett, who is a radio host from New Zealand, right? It's a 36 minute interview. Somehow Steve Kirsch figured out how to call into the radio show and get on with this guy who has been a major proponent of the vaccines. I will tell you, not since RFK Jr. and Alan Dershowitz. I don't know if you ever heard that debate on vaccines. Fascinating. Uh That is a must listen to anyone who is interested. That's the last time that I have seen a true, honest debate between a quote unquote anti-vaxxer and a pro-vaxxer. And this interview was really fascinating because Sean Plunkett came to it completely ignorant, obviously, uh, never went into the meat of the data, never went into any information, would not discuss the data. I think he called poor Steve Kirsch a nut job, a whack job, egotistical, a conspiracy theorist multiple times, crazy crackpot. When they were talking about the VAERS information, uh, he said that doctors who report jab injuries are crazy conspiracy theorists and individuals who report their own vaccine injuries are also crazy conspiracy theorists. This is a guy who had a heart attack a month and a half after getting his vaccine, yet he is so deeply enmeshed in this propaganda. But it was it was insane. I want to start there with you because you are a scientist. You are a decorated scientist, a medical doctor with decades of 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 writing and and um, accolades. And yet you, along with other you know people like Steve Kirsch, are beca- because you're calling out the government for covering up some of these these vaccine injuries, you're be you're being called like these whack job, crazy conspiracy theorists. And I have to get your thoughts on that as someone who probably has to deal with this on a regular basis. I know you've written about it on your Substack, but where are you on, on this issue? Because I think that's where we're going now. We're all crazy. We're all just crazy. Yeah. Um, and then there's the data. (laughs) So, uh, the this is gaslighting, okay? Which, by the way, apparently has been named as the uh, 2022 word of the year. Wow! Yes, gaslighting. Um, it's become really common in the in the lexicon of the world right now in English. Uh, what this this um, gaslighting? I think is the best term, or really what it is is defamation. Mm. Um, and we can go into the legal basis for that. But uh, when I first encountered it was right after, in a, in a major way, and it, and it kind of resonated in, and I comprehended in a deep way yeah. the, the depth of the depravity that's going on here, um, was right after the Black Horse podcast, the Dark Horse podcast with Steve right. and with Brett Weinstein. 
And uh, right after that podcast, both of our cells just started clanging like crazy, both with, uh, you know, the, the notifications of additional followers, um, but also um, calls from people who had been vaccine injured and had been uh, subjected to this defamation, deplatforming, censorship, gaslighting mm -hmm. by their... Uh, the people around them, their families, their friends, wow. their work colleagues, um, particularly women that were reporting these menstrual irregularities and uh, heavy periods, heavy flow, um, uh, loss of pregnancy, spontaneous abortion, uh, and various symptoms having to do with autoimmune disease or neuropathies. And they were being told that they were psychotic. They were suffering from anxiety disorders and literally being told that they were suffering from hysteria. If you'll wow. recall as a woman, you, wow. you remember that this is, this is a mid-century pejorative against women, uh, that they are hysterical. His, the, the root word, uh, hyster, of course, refers to the uterus. Mm. Um, so the, the logic of the use of the word hysterical just to back it up wow. is to say that the uterus is somehow causing women to behave irrationally. Right. That's no, but that's the root of it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this same logic was being deployed and the consequences was, were that um, here, I have to tell this person that I can't talk right now. Um, <laughs> the consequences were that these people that had experienced bona fide injury, whether or not it was vaccine related, but they believed it was vaccine related. It was temporarily related in, in terms of time, mm. dosing, and then the effect. They believed this and they would go on uh, these Facebook groups, for instance, that became quite large for a while, talk to others that were having similar experiences and they would get deplatformed, deleted, blocked, shadow banned, blah, blah, blah. Um, and if you put yourself in the the mind of the person that has experienced this, they're surrounded by people that are telling them they're crazy. Yeah. And yet they have, they can't deny their own physical experiences. Right. No one will listen to them. Their physicians tell them they're crazy. It is the ultimate gaslighting. And then social media in all of its nefarious ways and the corporate media mm. basically reinforce the message. Uh, and by, eliminating these voices cause cause a situation where people have been unable to obtain informed consent. The government has blocked any information right. that they might use to make their own determinations. And I think this is a huge human tragedy, just psychologically. Yeah. Uh, if you put yourself into that position, uh, this is, I mean, the, the definition of depression is helpless and hopeless. Right. That's what leads to depression. Right. And these poor people that have experienced these things are being surrounded by messaging that is, it couldn't be better designed to push them into depression. Right. I, I, I just, my heart breaks every time I think about it. It really honestly brings tears to my eyes. Yeah. Well, and, and these are individuals who have I mean, the, the data is showing when you look at the V-safe data, when you look at the VAERS data here in the United States of America, the Israeli data, this new re recent Rasmussen poll that shows yep. astonishingly 7% of those polled 
And this is despite every means of propaganda being used to tell people these are safe and effective. These are safe and effective. There is no way the vaccine could hurt you. I mean, over 10 billion taxpayer dollars expended mm. in, in, in information warfare to compel people to take these products and to convince them against the evidence that they're safe and effective. Right. So you have how many people are out there struggling with with that potential vaccine side effects that don't even connect those dots because their physicians aren't talking to to them about it because they're not getting any information from what would what would have previously been thought of reputable sources you have this 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 individual Sean Plunkett who went toe to toe with Steve Kirsch talking over him the entire time cutting him off ca- calling him every name <laughs> in the book that 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 must have been fascinating because Steve is not a uh, shrinking wallflower. Um, he was bewildered. You can tell he like, he's like, oh. but this guy, Sean Plunkett, ha- is likely vaccine injured, right? Yeah. Likely vaccine and heart attack within a, a month or two. It, of- it couldn't. It couldn't possibly be mass formation psychosis. <laughs> no. Well, I do think there is. I think if you are going to acknowledge the the scope of the human toll that yes. COVID-19 lockdowns and the vaccine campaigns have had on on souls, right? That yeah. is like a mind-blowing thing. And I think a lot yeah. of times there is the cognitive dissonance that sets in, right? If they admit that, then they would have to admit that maybe everything they've ever believed in their entire life, you know, in terms of which, the government- which- yeah, which a lot of us, um, and I'm a textbook example. You know, I used to work intensely with the government. I believed in the vaccine enterprise. Right. Um, I believed in what I was doing. And I've had to make that that transition to becoming acutely aware of how profoundly we're lied to. It's the title of the bloody book. Mm. Um, that, that journey, uh, as I like to say, it's as if you're in a dark room, you can't see anything, you back into a light switch. And what you see, you can never unsee. You right. Can never forget. Uh, Paul Merrick is another one that has a chapter in the book that has had this other, the same experience. Uh, Pierre Corey, Meryl Nass. Well, Meryl Nass was already kind of black pilled, uh, but right. uh, by your experiences with the anthrax. But um, yeah, it's it's profound. If and that's kind of what the book is designed to do, is not to to force people to think a certain way, but to help them. Uh, vicariously, I guess, experience what some of us have gone through. Yeah. Um, physicians I, and others. And then to try to help them to process what that means, the implications and where we're going. Well, I think this is why your voice, aside from everything else that you are doing, this is why you are a very interesting person in this movement, because here you have someone who was and an early inventor of the mRNA technology. That was you. You were um, involved with certain government groups. You trusted the government. You got vaccinated along with Steve Kirsch, who also got vaccinated because, in, you know, right up until that moment. And, you know, from my perspective, I, I, I suppose got red pilled about seven years ago because two of my kids, two of my kids, I believe, I'm convinced, were injured. Um, by childhood, routine childhood vaccinations. And that that started me down my journey. 
And I remember, you know, in terms of walking my audience through this, I think one of the things that you need to do is make it okay. Like you're not a stupid person. You're not a simp. You're not, you're not, um, not, you're not unintelligent because you simply believe what government people tell you. Like we should be able to believe what they tell us, right? That doesn't make us simple minded or, or lemmings. It makes us regular human beings. And so it's not our fault that the government lied to us and that they have been lying, lying to us. And frankly, conducting psychological operations, it seems, because they are really messing with our minds in, in a lot of ways. But I, I think making it safe for people to get into that space where you should expect them to tell us the, tell you the truth about some of these things. Um, I agree. And that underneath what you just said, the profound truth of what you just laid out, um, is the the reason why I became so enamored of the mass formation theory mm-hmm. is is because if if you accept the possibility that your friends, coworkers, family members have basically been hypnotized by government propaganda, right? Then it makes it a lot easier to forgive them, mm-hmm. and I've seen that very powerfully. Uh, I've I've seen grown men with tears streaming down their face when I've talked about it. I've seen wow. in positions where they other family members who are also healthcare professionals won't talk to them, those kinds of things yeah. just show huge relief on their face when when they confront the possibility or the really likelihood that their um, friends, family member, colleagues have been um, consumed by the propaganda. Their ability to think independently has been compromised by the government propaganda. And um, that, I think that's really powerful. The other facet of what you just touched on is that uh, this tendency to reject people because they're not sufficiently um, uh, blackpilled or redpilled or whatever. You know, they're not. They're not. They haven't. They're not as extreme as 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 the other person is. You know, they haven't. Right. They haven't gone all the way to believing there's AIDS sequences in the virus that have been engineered right. to cause the immunosuppression, or that uh, you know, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and Klaus Schwab have actively manipulated the uh, structure of the vaccine for a depopulation agenda. You know, it doesn't mean, uh, so, you know, well, if you don't believe that, then you must be controlled opposition. You must be the enemy. You must be on Mm -hmm. the other side, right? And what this does is it it creates yet another obstacle for physicians and, and your friends and colleagues and influencers to- to come across and say, Hey, you know what? Um, you're right. Uh, you know, if, if, if as soon as they say you're right, then you jump on them and say, well, you're not really a believer because you're late to the party and you, you have to believe the all whole of the conspiracy theorists, right. Theories, right. Not just a couple of them. And there's a litmus yeah. test with all, you know, yeah. and it's, and let's be honest. I mean, even from someone like myself, I've been doing this for well over a decade. I've been paying attention to politics very closely for two decades and I I can say honestly, I, 
half of those conspiracy theories out there, there's no way I could ever prove. I don't know. I can't get into the minds or the hearts or the souls of these people. I don't know what secret meetings they have and the, the plans that they hatch. I have a general sense that there are some bad people out there who have nefarious plans. I've always said one man's conspiracy theory is another man's five-year plan. So you just don't know. We can't know everything, but we can know how it manifests within our own lives and within our own communities. And this is one of the reasons why I've been such an advocate for localism, right? Like they can hatch all yes. of the grand plans that they want. I can't hop on a plane and fly out to Davos and slap Bill Gates around. I don't, there's no way I can ever do that, but I can sure as hell make it very difficult for him to imp implement any of those plans in my community and in my family. And for me, go. that's where, the, that's where the power is. That's what we've been missing in a lot of ways. When we focus on, these conspiracies that are probably likely true, but we just have no way of ever proving, right? <laughs> right. I think a lot and, of them and are. I, and I, I love your messaging that, that uh, you know, this is aligned with think globally, act locally. Yeah. And with the idea of trying to uh, enable a more decentralized world when our opponents are trying so desperately to create a centralized world of right. uh, corporate governance over all of us. Yeah. And, uh, uh, one of my one of my followers uh, fans um, looked up an early comment from George Orwell oh. uh, to 1984, and what he said was fascinating. The only way he thought that we could avoid a totalitarian future was by building a decentralized world. Love it, love it. That is music to my ears because I think that that is. Hopefully, and it's an absolutely achievable, it's absolutely achievable if we just get off this bandwagon of focusing so exclusively on these saviors, you know, individuals on white horses who are going to come and save us from the bad guys rather than taking up uh, the power that we have in our own communities, the relationships that we have in our own communities to take care of ourselves. And that segues actually very nicely into what I want to talk about next after the break, Elon Musk. Uh, he is the new thing, the new big thing, the new savior that everyone seems to be clamoring after. He's going to save us. He's going to save free speech. He's the next Donald Trump. I don't know. But meanwhile, while he is achieving a lot of good things over at Twitter that I think we can all bear witness to, there's still that tricky little situation of people like yourself, Dr. Peter McCullough, Daniel Horowitz, myself, my original account, Steve Kirsch, all still banned and suppressed from Twitter. We're going to talk about that and Twitter files 2.0, what we're beginning to see emerging from the phenomenal reporting by Barry Weiss, her organization, The Free Press. Really astounding stuff that we're seeing now coming out of those Twitter files, which Elon Musk is releasing. We'll be back in a moment to talk with that about that and more with Dr. Robert Malone. His book is Lies My Government Told Me. You can find him at rwmalone.substack.com. His website is rwmalonemd.com. We'll be back in a minute. Tonight on the Shannon Joy Show, Dr. Robert Malone, guest in the Joy Virtual Studio. Again, so glad to... Um, Benefit from your wisdom, your research, your experience. Thankful for everything that you are doing. RWMaloneMD.com is his website. You can be connected to all of his social media accounts and his Substack, which is a much must, must follow, in my opinion. Twitter Files 2.0, Dr. Malone. 
Barry Weiss, her organization, The Free Press. You can find them on Twitter. The handle is at the FP. Uh, Elon Musk has given them access to troves of communications among Twitter executives over the past three years, which has now given us insight into the layered and massive operation that involved the federal government, potentially the FBI. We know that that uh, James Baker, is that who it was? Exactly. James That's what Baker. I was just trying to look up. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, is found to have been an employee of Twitter. Um, the the operation to battle what they called COVID disinformation, it reeks almost of a military operation. They had uh, you know, these these strategic response teams, the the SRTGET start get, which is the strategic response team, global escalation team, SIP, PES, which I mean, it's just insane. The levels that they went to suppress accounts like your own, Dr. Malone and mine. I think I was thrown in, I was, I was suspended probably seven or eight times on Twitter following um, and then culminating in my permanent suspension of my original account. And we know all the names. So all of this information is is coming out. We're learning a lot of this, yet still, it, it's very bizarre. You're still suspended. Steve Kirsch is still suspended. Daniel Horowitz is still suspended on Twitter. So what do you make of all of this? And what are your thoughts on the, these new revelations in terms of just the lock grip that the government seems to have on, on our social media platforms and the conversation in the U.S. on these, you know, very important topics like COVID-19 and the vaccines. And the Hunter Biden laptop and so much more. Right. right. Um, so you mentioned just to start with that it felt like a military operation. It actually has been a military operation. Wow. It's It's been managed by the national security apparatus, um, including Department of Homeland Security. And in particular, and I want to shout out to Jeffrey Tucker at Brownstone Institute and recommend his article, What is CISA and Why Does It Matter? CISA is the Cybersecurity Infrastructure and Infrastructure Security Agency. They are the ones that have been managing mm. at the top level this uh, what is truly fifth generation warfare or information warfare that's been deployed against the American citizenry. Wow. This is full-on uh, military psyops that has been deployed. Um, and uh, it's the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency that's done it. And you'll remember Gade, the uh, attorney at Twitter that was managing a lot of the censorship that got fired. She immediately got a job with CISA, working wow. for the government. Wow. Okay? So she's now their senior advisor. Okay, this this is not stopped in any way. It has just transferred its base of operations. Now, um, talking about a series of disclosures, uh, you know, the first one to Matt Taibbi was a series of documents that were revealed having to do with the Hunter Biden laptop. Right. Then we have these Barry Weiss disclosures. And as you point out, all of that was filtered by a Democratic political operative lawyer named James Baker. Hmm. Um, and it was done without the awareness of uh, Elon Musk, apparently. So this was hidden from Elon Musk. So he still has um, an operation going on within Twitter that is not being fully transparent. 
um, they're still maintaining these political ops, these psyops from within Twitter. As I think you and I discussed previously, Twitter is a weapon. Mm. Twitter is designed as a fifth generation warfare weapon. And it was deployed during Arab Spring to that purpose. And it has been co-opted and deployed against the American populace on behalf of, I really think that calling it the Democratic Party is not representing the truth of the matter. I think that that um, we do have to go with Steve Bannon's uniparty. Uh, that it's, this is the imperial administrative state mm. um, flex, flexing its muscles in mm. every way it can. And... Uh, so it, it gets really hard to, to sort out, um, uh, what is, you know, Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss are both acting as journalists. They were selected as, as basically relative, you know, experienced opposition journalists, like used to be the case back in the day, um, where you know before journalists thought their whole job was to reinforce the dominant narrative of the uh, of the state, uh, but they've been fed redacted selected information. Right, it's selective and it's given to them. It's kind of on a sil- I don't want to say on a silver platter. They're fantastic journalists, but yeah, and they're they're doing their best, I think, in good faith to try sure. to. To, to derive and, and glean whatever little pearls they can find within the crumbs that they're given. But we now know that that was selected a selected data feed. Now, what happened over the weekend that you didn't mention is on Sunday, Jay Bhattacharya was invited in by Elon hmm. to review the COVID-related medical information that has been uh gleaned in some way from within the world of Twitter. Wow. Okay. And, and uh, the choice of Jay is interesting. Of course, he's still a Stanford full professor. Right. Uh, he was one of the original authors of the Great Barrington Declaration. Mm-hmm. Some He has managed to maintain his Stanford position. Right. Um, unlike one of the other um, original authors. And People don't recognize it's actually uh, Jeffrey Tucker that catalyzed the Great Barrington Declaration. Yeah, yeah. Okay, a Brownstone Institute. He put it. He pulled all that stuff together, and he spoke about it to me. He said those three guys, those two, it's two guys, Nigel, um, had no idea, and neither did the uh, Barrington operation have any idea that about the truck that was about to hit them when they put that thing out. Wow. Um, Wow. And that the the three academics have really pretty much been blown away, and not in a good way. Yeah. Uh, by what is what they've had to experience. So, I Jay, I convinced Jay to join the attorney general's suit against the government. Okay. Um, kind of against his uh, better will, uh, because he was concerned about the anti-slap provisions and right. the consequences of doing this. Um, uh, and I he would not sue the government or or facebook or twitter or the others that had been so um aggressive with him yeah uh because he was afraid of how hard it is to prosecute a defamation case which it is hard right Um, and i was only able to get him to come on board convince him because of the added power of the state attorney generals in a situation like this yeah so um uh 
so he's being brought in. He is among the most cautious of the cautious. Yes, he is. And I'll just give you a side note. Jay and I had a conversation about 12 months ago, maybe 13 months ago. He called me because he was concerned. We, you know, we were, we were beginning to, to delve into the problems with the COVID vaccines, the vaccine injuries, the VAERS data, the red box summaries that we were seeing. And um, I was pretty, this was before my permanent suspension, uh, active on Twitter and, you know, this circle. And at that time, he was very concerned about vaccines overall. He, he, he had some concerns about the specifically the COVID-19 vaccines, but he really didn't, he wanted to keep it kind of in that genre and not pull into question all the other vaccines. And I remember that being very important to him. We had a great conversation. And I think he is, to your point, uh, one of the more cautious. So it's interesting to me that he would be the selected <laughs> representative. Well, plus he's Stanford and he's right by Silicon Valley. So it was probably really convenient. For, you know, right. if I, right. I, I, you know, I was I was a little starstruck when I got a call from Bobby Kennedy uh, <laughs> back uh, so long ago. Um, I, can't I haven't imagine. gotten that phone call yet, but I would love to get that <laughs> I, I can't imagine getting a phone call from Elon Musk say, hey, you know, could you jump on your car and just drive down here and let's uh, look over some documents right, together? Right, right. Well, uh, Jay on, won't on come on my show yet. Jay won't come on my show. I still text him every <laughs> once in a while. I'm like, come on, get a, you know, he's not ready to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he's he's very cautious. So, yeah. Um, I mean, they could have selected Harvey Reich. Um, sure. And uh that that would have been an interesting conversation too. He had he had tweeted that he was going to set up some sort of a committee, yeah, uh, to screen this. So, yeah, I I um I don't know what to make of all of this. I I do know that uh, and I've I've spoken about this. I spoke about it in Richmond mm-hmm. to a Tea Party group on Saturday uh, that also wanted to know what I thought about all this. Yeah. Um. Uh. Mr. Musk is a businessman. Yeah. Um, Mr. Musk took a big hit in the market cap on uh, Tesla when mm-hmm. he said that he was going to acquire Twitter. That I interpreted as uh, the big funds were spanking him. Um, yet some, and remember he, he had trouble raising the capital because he doesn't have it in his pocket. Okay. Uh, to go buy Twitter. And right. as I understand, a lot of that capital came out of the Middle East. Mm. So now you have a situation in which um, Mr. Musk kind of has the goods on the American government. Interesting. Uh, and you had Yellen saying, well, we're going to have to investigate whether um, this really uh, is is an antitrust issue, you know, kind of dark threats, threats against Elon Musk were, were floated about two weeks ago. And then, uh, I think that these Twitter files were the counterpunch. Interesting. So the jury might still be, okay. I'm sorry. I don't want to cut you off. Keep going. So I think this might be the counterpunch. And, um, I think that, uh, Mr. Musk clearly has not yet shown his hand. Okay. He's he's shown a couple of cards. He said, uh, if you're going to be nasty to me, I could be nasty to you. But remember, he is a major, major defense contractor, one of the largest with the U.S. government. Okay. And and he is pursuing Neuralink and uh, Starlink, uh, which is what I'm using to broadcast, mm-hmm. uh, and, um, and so many other 
uh, technologies and platforms, SpaceX, etc. cetera. Uh, um, so Mr. Musk is a complex character. To, to right. talk about him as the savior of uh, democracy, whatever democracy even means anymore, right. I don't know, right. um, uh, I think is naive. Yes. I think I think you have to recognize that Mr. Musk is a very intelligent, savvy, experienced, battle-hardened businessman. Right. And and any illusions about him doing whether even if it was in his heart, let's say we could uh um like like George Bush, we could look into Putin's heart. Yeah. We could look at yeah. Mr. Musk's heart, right? Which we never can. And, and and say and say that he's a great guy. He has a bunch of investors that are behind this and they have their own agenda too. Right. And uh so I just find all of this chatter um because this is more what we propaganda. do on the right. Right. This is what we do on the right as conservatives. We want to believe that there are these altruistic, loving characters out there who get into massive positions of power and are are going to save us. And I to your point, I agree it's a little more nuanced than that and there are a lot of angles here, which is why I'm cautioning my audience on the whole Elon Musk thing. I think that it is possible for him to do things that are good for the United States of America and free speech and maybe democracy, maybe humanity down the road, but I don't think that we should put all of our eggs in that basket yeah. because there are so many competing angles right now. You mentioned Neuralink, which is currently up for approval by the FDA, an organization that is being completely taken apart by some of the the newfound free speech on Twitter. So so I think I, I agree with your assessment and I'm so thankful for for your assessment because you know there really is now are you you're talking to a lot of people in these circles who are still banned on Twitter. Any idea as to why that that suspension continues? Do you think he's he's still holding some cards? Do you think that maybe he's not ready to play those cards? Uh, I think that I can't get into the head of Elon Musk. I mean, there's, there's like try it, ten, try. <laughs> there's there's ten different hypotheses. Yeah. So yeah. is he still getting pressure from the Gubbies? Okay. I think there's probable that he is. Um, wow. And and uh, I think that he is. I, I can't see how he's not having pressure from the gubbies. Mm -hmm. I just, I can't imagine that to be the Which case. Which would then by default make you almost public enemy number one, along with Peter McCullough. I mean, if you think about the scope of this and even Daniel Horowitz at Conservative Review and Steve Kirsch, and in my, yeah. you know, even little accounts like my own, like clearly the government in, in connection with Twitter and whatever connection they have to Elon Musk they have a vested interest in keeping just, you suppressed. And just because we get back on doesn't mean they're not going to shadow ban us. That right. he's pretty much said that's what he's going to do. Mm, um, mm, mm, mm. And it it it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I occasionally I don't want to sound like a narcissist, but occasionally <laughs> I go and look up on Twitter about what's going on, mostly to find out if they've suddenly repatriated me. Right. Um, right. And uh. And instead, what I find is that other people are using my name and building big Twitter accounts. So that's a problem. I fell for that um, once. Full and um, I'm yeah, like, so I'm, yeah, I'm he's back on. And I followed. I'm like, darn it. Got Jill, me again. Jill, Jill is. <laughs> Go ahead. 
So she's able to post our Substack and stuff like that, but she okay. has hardly any followers. But uh, there's, you know, why why would uh, the government um, or Elon Musk, why would Elon Musk want to piss off the gubbies mm. uh, by having the likes of you, me, or Daniel, or whoever uh, repatriated? There's no upside there really for him. But there is an upside for humanity. Would be the right thing to do. I mean, it's this is one of the most fascinating things for me to me for me to watch, and your insight is really interesting. Uh, we have to go to break. We are with Dr. Robert Malone. His book "Lies My Government Told Me." Really interesting, um, you know, to to see from the perspective of someone who really believed in government institutions, who worked with government entities, who was involved in some of these entities now that that we are up against in terms of our pursuit for the truth. Dr. Robert Malone, a very interesting uh, transformation, which I think is beneficial for a lot of people to hear. And maybe perhaps the people in your life who are not quite red-pilled yet uh, this might be a good uh, a good Christmas present for them. So you can find uh, all of his work at rwmalonemd.com. That's rwmalonemd.com. You can find his social media links and also the must, must, must subscribe to Substack uh, site. We'll be back in a moment right here on the Shannon Joy Show. Dr. Robert Malone joins us tonight on the Shannon Joy Show. His book is Lies My Government Told Me. It is shipping for Christmas presents right now. You can get it still if you go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble. But I hear, Dr. Malone, that Barnes & Noble is a little faster in the shipment. Amazon is a little bit slower. You have to click on the link saying that it is a gift if you want to get it by Christmas. But I highly recommend it. You can go to rwmalonemd.com for all of that information. But so your recommendation is Barnes and Nobles over Amazon for right now, if you want to get it by Christmas. That's what I'm hearing from a lot of people. And okay. I ordered two copies for my relatives okay. uh, that were here um, for Christmas time, and they're both coming after Christmas. Okay. Uh, so I just get that feedback um, in from people that are ordering from some of the other uh, more traditional booksellers, apparently there are no delays at all. So okay. make of that what you will. Well, fantastic. Fantastic. Highly recommended. And uh, I think I might buy a couple copies of your book for my family members. Uh, Rasmussen. Okay. More yeah. news coming out. This was astonishing to me for two reasons. Uh, a new Rasmussen poll. This is a very highly... Um, uh, you know, vaunted polling institution in the United States of America. You could not con you could not accuse them of being conspiracy theorists or whack jobs or nut jobs. And they decided to run a poll, which was amazing in and of itself. The poll was asking Americans who were vaccinated uh, about their potential adverse events or side effects. And that is astounding in and of itself that they actually ran this poll. I haven't seen anything like this ever in my seven or eight years of reporting on vaccines and vaccine injury and vaccine safety. The other really interesting aspect of this, Dr. Malone, is that in their release of the data, which is also astounding, which I'll let you get into, <laughs> they have a caveat. They say, we ran this poll and we're going to give you the results according to what Google will allow us to say. Amazingly, it's in writing, it's in their tweet that somehow Google, I don't even know who Google is, 
who is Google? <laughs> but apparently Google has a say in this independent polling company and what they can release in terms of this survey of the American people, which is actually devastating. Devastating when you consider how many people reported adverse injuries. What are your thoughts on the release of this poll, the, the findings in this poll, and does it line up with what you've been saying now for, for well over a year and a half and what the data is showing? Um, first off, I suspect that the poll may underrepresent the problem for the reasons that we mm. were talking about in the first segment, mm. that a lot of people have been so thoroughly gaslit that they many people aren't even able to conceive of the possibility mm. that the things that they're experiencing, the clinical syndrome that they may be experiencing is in any way related to a vaccine product. Hmm. Um, so I think if you factor in that intrinsic bias, which is clear in talking to people right, um, and in physician reports and so many other things, uh, the, the numbers that are disclosed are stunning, as you say. Now, it's another... I have not watched the YouTube video, which is the primary disclosure that has been provided to the general public. Right. And the actual poll results, which they usually reveal, mm. um, are considered to be exclusive content. And so you have to pay an extra plus up to get access to the actual polling data and the graphs and charts other than that, which they have elected to disclose via the YouTube channel. Right. And of course, YouTube channel is absolutely a controlled uh, channel, unlike your broadcast. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, um, I think it is consistent with, for instance, uh, the Ed Dowd um, data and book now mm -hmm. um, on the excess deaths uh, that he's just come out on Amazon. Um and or other booksellers, it's another publication from uh, uh, Skyhorse and uh, Tony Lyons, uh, and uh, it's full of graphs and charts. But sure. it 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 illustrates that we have had huge excess mortality, yeah, uh, and morbidity. And there's no there's no denying that it is linked in time, so temporally associated with the onset of the vaccine campaigns, including the mandates. Right. What's particularly potent about those data, which are coming from insurance actuaries, is that these people that are in these life insurance policies are typically highly employed. They're typically middle or upper middle class or management uh, level people. Right. That Their companies are paying for them to have a disability and death benefit. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, that's that's the cohort from which these data are being derived. So it's a biased sample towards people who are otherwise healthy, right. well-paid, um, economically well-off. So there's all kinds of intrinsic bias there. Right. Which, by the way, the V-safe data also has that bias. Because hmm. to enter into the V-safe data, use a cell phone. And right. you've got to have basically a modern... Uh, So uh, both the V-safe data and the insurance actuary data are biased towards a wealthier, healthier um, 
uh, population, uh, right. often a little bit younger, as opposed to, say, a Medicare-Medicaid population or a uh, um, underserved minority population, sure. for instance. Sure. Um, and so what so, this is saying, just so that the audience totally understands, uh, you know, this cohort, this group that is represented in the VSafe data and in Ed Dowd's reporting from these actuarial um, uh, firms is it's representative of a much healthier cohort, yep. right? Yeah. So and and probably right. and probably the Rasmussen poll may have some bias right. like that also. Sure. But they're dying, so the rates of death is much higher in this group where it should be higher in the less healthy groups. But well, we don't, that's actually, we don't, we, we don't, don't know, know that. that. We don't yeah. know that. What what we know is the excess mortality in these groups that are being sampled. We don't have a good way to compare against the, True. the poor, indigent and elderly because there's no decent database capturing that okay. because the CDC isn't doing its job basically mm. to be blunt. Right. Um, but uh, in their withholding information, according to the New York Times, okay, <laughs> no, cons- no, the, no, you'd be called a conspiracy theorist for saying that the government is withholding information about vaccine injury. That's what poor and, Steve Kirsch had to deal with with his interview, and, <laughs> and that and that the CDC has become a politicized arm of the White House. But that is in fact yeah. what the New York Times reported in February of this year. So let's go. just put a pin in that. Put um, a pin in it. Let's do it. But uh, I think you're right. The Rasmussen report is the kind of thing that one would have expected an objective and unbiased government uh, uh, medical oversight and delivery platform would have performed. Right. Instead, what we've had is, as you pointed out, military-grade psyops yeah. designed for offshore uh information warfare, fifth generation warfare that has been deployed against the American citizens, which is profound. And it is involved, as I testified, I I don't know if you remember the clip, uh, Senator Marshall towards the end of Ron Johnson's hearing um, called me out specifically. I was a little stunned. Uh, um, and, And he wanted to know what I would have done had I been there instead of Tony Fauci um, would I have approved these shots, et cetera? He's an MD. Mm. So he's he's very savvy about the information. Yeah. And um, one of the things I said to him was, we have clear documentation through the, the statements of Deborah Burks and Rochelle Walensky that the government substituted hope for data. Hmm. They, they, this is their statements, right? Right, right? Just, just like, remember the Pfizer vice president in the EU saying that they hadn't tested for whether or not this would prevent infection, these vaccines, right? Um, and yet the governments were saying that that was the case. And when confronted by this, um, Burks and Walensky both said that they had hoped that this would be the case. So they've right. substituted hope for data <laughs> and then deployed a a massive, the most massive military grade psyops campaign ever seen in the yeah. Western world yeah. to compel all of us, compel and coerce all of us and our children to take an unlicensed medical product that's neither safe nor effective. That is the truth. Yeah. That is the honest, God's honest truth at the bottom line here mm. is what the government has done to us is 
absolutely unethical, inappropriate, and I think criminal. And now getting back to our prior segment, Mr. Musk is tweeting out that he believes that Fauci should be indicted. Wow. Um, wow. Right? Uh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. So we're, we're, we are in a, in a new uh, period now. Well, I do think with, so what do we know? We know that Elon Musk is heavily connected with the United States government. We know that Rasmussen is being allowed to run their poll, you know, in the findings of their poll on YouTube. We know that Rasmussen is working with Google as to what they can release in this poll. And really what the 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 nut of this is, 7% of the respondents said that they had experienced, experienced va- a severe vaccine injury or a vaccine injury, which is astonishing. I mean, that that should be enough to shut down the program in and of itself if this was actual data that was collected by the government. And so so is this an acknowledgement that we really have crossed a threshold in terms of getting our position out there, Dr. Malone, that these captured organizations are now being forced to push this out? And granted, it's manipulated, right? It's controlled. The release of this information is is looks to be in a controlled fashion. But to me, that is that is victory. I mean, that is a victory. It is. I think. I think it's good, as you're saying, to try to um, counter blessings, right? Uh, but always be aware. Um, we we are now, unfortunately, in a position where we have to be skeptical of every single thing. Yeah, and. Um, this looks and smells like a limited hangout. Mm. Mm-hmm. This this looks like disclosure of information that they were that was had become self evident, right? Um, and it's a limited disclosure of things that are that are clearly self evident. Typically, that would be coupled with an attempt to divert from other information that mm. is even more explosive or sensitive, right? Right. So we're in dangerous times for sure. I mean, we're right in the middle of this. This is why uh, your voice is so important. And sadly, we're out of time. It makes, you know, I feel like I could go another hour with you on all of this because uh, you just have a unique perspective, understanding the science and in the medical aspect of this, but also really understanding the political and the business aspects as well, which all works together. I agree with you. Um, the the psychological operation, I think, is very evident. I want to direct my listeners to two pieces that you wrote on Substack uh, or Jill. Never sure which one of you it is. These on- these two, I I wrote these two. <laughs> okay. All right. Your beautiful wife, uh, Jill, who is the, the woman behind the man, and I have to have her on again uh, on the show. But uh, welcome to Fifth Generation Information Warfare and Controlled Opposition and Black Propaganda. Very interesting pieces at uh, Dr. Malone Substack. That is rwmalone.substack.com. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. Let's rwmalonemd.substack.com, right? Darn it. Darn it. Darn it. rwmalonemd.substack.com or just go to his website or just Google Robert Malone website and you'll find him. Uh, His new book, uh, which is, you know, a fantastic read, Lies My Government Told Me and all of the work that you're doing. We're going to keep following you. We're going to keep pushing you out and hopefully you'll be back on again in about a month or so because, you know, I like to... I like to take your temperature on things that are going on from time to time. So I appreciate you coming in. Look forward to it, Shannon. Thanks so much for having me. And safe travels uh, to you and Jill and happy holidays because I probably won't talk to you before then, but I wish you all the best.
Okay. Thanks. You too. All right. We'll be back in a moment to finish it out right here on the Shannon Joy Show. Hey everyone, Shannon Joy for Connecta Mobile. So when I started my show 10 years ago, I would talk to my friends about privacy and the Fourth Amendment, and they would look at me like I had three heads. Now, fast forward to 2024, post-COVID, and everyone is talking about privacy. We are freaked out by AI, grossed out by government surveillance, and very aware that data is the new gold. Combine that with the new reality that your whole life and all of your data is on your phone and in the palm of your hands, making you a sitting duck for common hackers, corporate hustlers, or government spies. Are you going to let them get away with that? Well, I'm not. And that's why I use my Connecta mobile phone as the official business phone for Joy Media. That's because Connecta is the only phone company that specializes in security and privacy above all else. Call Connecta Mobile today and talk to a real person who lives in the United States about securing your devices and communications for as little as $35 a month. Their basic plan includes device encryption, encrypted text, and data, also a free phone. That's just the beginning. Call 941-246-2156 to talk to a representative. That's 941-246-2156. Or go to phone123.com slash joy today. That's phone123.com slash joy. Get securely connected today only with Connecta.